Hi, and welcome to the latest edition of NFL Game Time Podcast with your host, I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. Yeah, Shai Dweck is back this week, and the trade deadline is now just less than a week away, November 3rd, and trades are already starting to trickle in. So we're going to break down some of the recent trades, along with, as we usually do, going game by game, giving our predictions, and what each team has to do in order if they want to come out victorious. So let's get right into it, because it's game game time. time. So... We'll start with the Thursday night game, and it's a division game, and it's the 1-6 Falcons against the 3-4 and four Panthers, and I guess, you know, at the beginning of the year, if you said one team was 3-4 and four, one team was 1-6, and six, I think a lot of people would have the Panthers at 1-6 and six and the Falcons at 3-4, and four. and I think even if people said the Falcons were 3-4, and four, I think that still would have been a disappointment. So an all-around very disappointing year for Atlanta, and even though Carolina is under five hundred, it is still a somewhat promising season from them, as people expected them to be nowhere near where they are in their development process. As I mean, they were right there at the end of the game against New Orleans. They attempted what would have been a record 65-yard field goal. Joey Sty uh, missed it, obviously, as they, you know, they could not win the game, but you know, it was a very competitive game, and a Saints team that, you know, I know they battled some injuries, but a Saints team that we expected to go for in the playoffs, the Panthers in New Orleans, in a in a uh, atmosphere in which that Saints offense usually thrives, the Panthers went, you know, right up against them and played them really well. So I got the Panthers being the Falcons on Thursday night. This game's in Atlanta. Matt Ryan, I don't, he's not exactly a dumb quarterback, maybe to the extent that, you know, Drew Brees is. But Matt Ryan just doesn't play at the level that he does in a dome. When he's outside of a dome, I think Julio back will help the Falcons. Obviously, you know, Falcons offense looked a little better last week against Detroit. But after a heartbreaking loss to the Lions, short week, I think it's going to be a good matchup. I think it's going to be really competitive. And it should be a good Thursday night game to get uh, week eight uh, kicked off. But I think the Panthers, with a win that at the beginning of the year, I didn't think they'd have. But I got Carolina getting back to 500 in this one. Yeah, I've got the Panthers, too. If the Falcons don't have any chance at kind of winning this game, because let's face it, the Panthers, whether you thought so back in the offseason, which I did, I thought the Panthers were going to be third best team in the division. The Falcons would be the worst. But it doesn't matter what you thought. Panthers are by far the better team now, and they're better coached. And I think if the Falcons want to have a shot at winning this game, they've got to stay in the game. They can't, they can't let it slip away. And well, that sounds like well, that's that's you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward, right? Well, you'd be surprised. They've got to be able to. The defense has got to be able to restrict. That, that passing game of Carolina and that running game, they're very uh, dual threat. And and they've got to also be able to go blow for blow with this Panthers offense. And we would have been we would have been saying it might be the other way around looking into this season. But now um, it kind of it kind of looks like that. But I do have the Panthers winning this game as well. I guess I think overall I still probably think Atlanta has the better offense but remember just a couple weeks ago I know Julio was out but even you know just a few weeks ago Carolina did go into Atlanta and win that game so I do think this Atlanta offense is probably still the better all-around offense but I think you know 
just not not in that dome. And Shai's, you know, giving me kind of a questionable look, but I just feel like in the outdoor elements, and I know Carolina's not like Chicago or, you know, an outdoor Detroit game, even though they play in a dome, or an outdoor Minnesota game, even though they play in the dome. But, you know, since, you know, this Falcons offense has been much better when Julio's on the field, when Julio is healthy, even if Julio's not 100%, when even just as a decoy, that Falcons offense has been much better with Julio on the field. So I'm still going with the Panthers, but I do think you're kind of underselling some of, you're underselling that Falcons offense. I think you're underselling the Panthers offense, Alex. I really like the Panthers' offense. I think it's a big reason why they're three and four. I think Atlanta has the worst. Atlanta is the worst defense in the NFL. I think if if Atlanta had a respectable defense, this is probably a five hundred team. We'll, we'll see what happens on Thursday. Because we'll you have to look. Julio missed a lot, a huge part of this. Of the, I know it's only been seven weeks, and this is week eight, but. Julio's missed a significant time, and when Julio's not on the field, it just doesn't open up some of the matchups that, you know, it creates for guys like Ridley and Hayden Hurst. So again, I do like the Panthers in this game, but I think the overall, you know, if this game were in a dome and both teams are completely healthy, I do think this Falcons offense, and I think it's a shootout, and I think it's going to be, it would be a close either way, but I think the Falcons offense, you know, again, in ideal conditions, which usually is what a dome presents, is better than the Panthers' offense. Panthers' defense has been a pleasant surprise, though, and the Falcons' defense obviously has not, which is a big difference in why these teams are where they are. I just, there's no sense of consistency from Atlanta for me. Um, I think Teddy Bridgewater has played just as well, if not better than Matt Ryan through the course of the season. Um, Robbie Anderson. Okay, take take let's take Robbie Anderson out of that offense for about three to four weeks, because that's what basically the Falcons had to do with Julio Jones had with you know without Julio. That that's true, but I think the Fal- the Panthers rather are well coached and they'd be able to better better handle that sort of absence. And I and I think if you got to look at it also just from what what you see you know it, it's not games aren't you know one on paper i just think i've seen more from the from the panthers on both sides of the ball more defensively than offensively but I De- defensively yeah. and look i've seen that's where I, that's where i'm part of it is the falcons defense isn't going to be able to stop the panthers offense yes. no matter you know it, that's that's a big part of it too so and that that's kind of where you know that's a big reason why the Panthers are three and four, not one and six. Their defense is what many people thought was gonna be one of you know a bottom five defense. Remember, they went seven for seven on defense in the draft. Seven picks all on defense. Another interesting storyline, and we won't really get into it, but I just want to mention that Falcons pass rusher Tack McKinley, former first round pick, is not playing this game because he might he's a little banged up but the Falcons don't want to risk further injury because he is a major trade candidate. So over these next few days look for him to possibly be on the move as Falcons are clearly sellers. So now let's go to a must win game I guess for the New England Patriots, the 2 and 4 Patriots. The, I didn't know I, I didn't think I'd ever mutter those words against the 5 and 2 Bills. This game's in Buffalo and I think I'm going with the Bills. I think, you know, this, I guess, condition. What? You think? 
I don't think it's going to be a blowout like some think. I know the Patriots had an embarrassing game against the Niners. Not like last week. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it's going to be what thirty-three to six. I'd be very surprised. Could it happen? I guess. Yeah, sure. But I would be somewhat surprised if the Bills beat the Patriots thirty-three to six. Yeah, I think part of that is also that it's a divisional game, and those tend to be a little more closer, a little more competitive. But so far. I, I've really leaned on the fact that you know Bill Belichick's gonna get this, you know, and they get them get the, gonna get them in shape, gonna get them ready to play. Then they they lose to the Broncos, even in a close game, and then the, and then they get blown out by the Niners. I mean, I, I'm losing, I'm starting to lose faith in this Patriots team. It's not completely gone, and in uh, in a, a good outing here would would help me. And if the Patriots want to have that outing, it's going to start on the defense. The defense has looked suspect, and I'm I'm not going to say the offense because I think Bill Belichick has more influence on that defense, and that's the strength of it being so well-coached and disciplined. I just don't think we've seen a ton of that this season. Yeah, and I think, you know, we were talking about the offseason, Josh Allen, you know, he might be holding the Bills back from having a deep run, and, and then the first three, four weeks, he looks like an, a serious MVP candidate. Now, over the last couple of weeks, he's kind of come back down to earth, come back to the guy who we kind of more thought he would be. So I do think this Patriots defense can have some success, and I think this game will be overall pretty low scoring. That's why I think it will be a close game. And again, you know, both these teams, I mean, you saw the Bills, they won a game 18-10, to 10 where, you know, obviously the Jets had a chance to actually, you know, go win the game at the end. But the Bills consistently drove down the field and just couldn't put points on the board. So I do think this Patriots defense maybe forces a turnover, and I don't think the Bills are able to score, you know, every drive, maybe like how the success the Niners had, especially in the run game like the Niners had. I think this Patriots, you know, Belichick, I feel like every time, and I know now it's two in a row for the Patriots, but every time I feel like the Patriots have a bad game, we're like, oh, this is the end, and now I know Brady isn't there. You know, this team bounces back. So I, I am picking Buffalo, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think Buffalo is going to absolutely destroy them. I think it's going to be a very physical game, and I, th- I could see Buffalo really, you know, maybe possibly dominating in the point of attack at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but I don't think they're going to... I don't think they're gonna blow them out at least points wise. I'd be very surprised. I'd be very surprised if they won by you know two or three touchdowns. That's fair. Um, I don't know if I said this, but I think it's implied. I'm gonna take the Bills. I don't know if it's a blowout. Wouldn't surprise me really either way. Um, but again, I I just think the Patriots they need to show me again and remind me why I don't lose faith in them because. I'm losing it. And every time you lose faith, Belichick makes you look silly. Not just you. When I say you, I'm not. I kind of mean just one. Every time one loses faith, Belichick kind of has always has that grin and last laugh. I don't think this will be the time, but you can never count Bill Belichick and that Patriots team out, even though Brady is no longer there. So now let's go to a pretty interesting game: the Tennessee Titans coming off their first loss of the season. Taking on the Cincinnati Bengals, who, despite their poor record, their offense is scoring points at will. Joe Burrow is having a fantastic rookie season, as is T. Higgins. I'm going to go with the Titans, but I think this game could be pretty close. Just the the Bengals are too young, 
and I just don't, they don't have the experience and over, the overall talent, I feel like, to contend, to contend for a full 60 minutes with teams like the Titans. So look, the Titans defense doesn't have a ton of talent. It's pretty undisciplined. It's not great in the secondary. That's their weakness. But it's extremely well coached. And we saw that against Pittsburgh. And, you know, Ben Roethlisberger in the first half came out and put up points at will. I mean, these defensive backs look lost against this Pittsburgh receiving court. But then the second half, and part of it may have just been, you know, things weren't going as well as this offensively, but part of that is Mike Vrabel making those adjustments to help his defense, you know, get those stops to get back in this game. So I think it will be close, but let's be a little careful. If they can make these adjustments against Ben Roethlisberger, I'm sure they'll have no problem doing it against Joe Burrow, no matter the success they had. So I'll take the Titans here. Um, and again, not in a, not in a blowout, but I think in a decisive thing. I, I think this could be like, it's close, it's close, and then within the last, I don't know, 8 to 10 minutes of the game, the Titans kind of pull away. So it could be one of those games that the score might seem like a blowout, but the actual game was close. So we're both going with Tennessee. Now, here here's a pretty interesting game. The Las Vegas Raiders, who are 3-3, three and three, take on the Cleveland Browns, who are 5-2. and two. Just those two losses have been extremely ugly and now Odell is out for the year Odell Beckham Jr. tearing his ACL he is out for the year Jarvis Landry is now really their number one receiver but what Baker Mayfield did without Odell he started the game against Cincinnati 0 for 5 and you know no Odell 0 for 5 Bengals were looking very Good. Their offense was looking very crisp early on. It looks like the Bengals were going to pull off the upset. And then Baker Mayfield, again, 0-5 to start the game, threw one incomplete pass the rest of the game. And I believe that incomplete pass was a spike, where he was just trying to stop the clock, buy time. So Baker Mayfield basically was perfect the rest of the game, including an incredible touchdown pass in, the, in like the final 11 seconds to Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's a, you know, a rookie receiver. So Baker Mayfield showed a lot without his number one receiver in that game. And I'm going with Cleveland in this game because Cleveland has shown that, yeah, they're probably not in that elite tier yet. They probably still have a couple maybe years to go or a year or two to go with the development of some of their younger players like a Baker Mayfield. But this Vegas team at 3-3, three and three, Basically, what they said they is what the record says they are. They're a nice team. They're a solid team, but they're nowhere close to like the elite tier or even the very good tier. So, with the game being in Cleveland, I do like the Browns here. I think against that Raiders defense, I think even without Odell, Baker Mayfield has a pretty good game here, and I think the Browns improved to six and two on the season. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really close game. I think if this was in. Um, I almost said Oakland. Vegas, then I would pick the Raiders. Um, I just I just think AFC North teams historically have a hard time. Um, I guess, well, I was, again, it could not be true again because they're not in Oakland anymore. But I feel like they have a hard time on the road out west. But I'm going to go with the Browns here. Um, again, at home, I think that this is going to be kind of a shootout. And I think the difference is the Browns' defense just being better than the Oakland defense. And we haven't seen a ton of consistency from this Browns' defense. Well, we've seen we've seen a ton of consistency from Miles Garrett. 
He's not re- against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, he, I mean, he did have a bit of an off game against Pittsburgh, but right now, if the season ends, if the season ended today, Garrett's most likely your defensive player of the year. No, that's fair. That's fair. I, I'm just bragging a little bit because I'm a Steelers fan. Yes, we know. We know you love to brag on this podcast. Yes. Uh, Shy Dweck, the bragger of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That should be your new name. Well, if they're six and zero, oh, I'll go for it. I wasn't doing it last year. Um, so yeah, give, I'll I'll take the Browns here in a close game and a shootout. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how this Browns defense does against this um, Raiders offense, which is pretty high powered, frankly. So it would be interesting to see. Um, how that matchup goes. Yeah, it should be a good one. And I think, you know, Cleveland, they're right now a playoff team. I think they will be a playoff team. But they still have to prove to me that they can contend with kind of the big boys. If they win against Vegas, good for them. But I really want to see them get that signature win, which they haven't done yet. So now let's go to what should be a really interesting game. The Indianapolis Colts taking on the Detroit Lions and Lions, all of a sudden, they're buyers at the trade deadline. They acquired defensive end Everson Griffin, who I don't know if he'll be... I don't think he's eligible to play in this game. I could be wrong, but uh, he might, he still might be going through COVID protocols. So he might not be on the field, but this should be a really good game. The Indianapolis Colts were 4-2, have played really well. It's kind of been their defense and their offense has, has been very good, done just enough against the 3-3 three and three Lions, but the Lions coming off that signature, a very signature win against the Falcons. I know the Falcons aren't that great, powerful team, but winning on the last play of the game, I don't care who it is against, winning that type of game kind of, there's like just this jolt of energy inside that locker room, inside each and every player, each and every coach. And I'm going to go with Detroit here. I think it's going to be a really good game. But I have a lot of confidence in Matthew Stafford. I really liked Stafford coming into this season. I said it a lot how he's maybe he's one of the more underrated quarterbacks because of the consistent uh, lack of kind of a team around him. He's always had, I guess, good weapons, but that defense has always struggled. I'm going to go with Detroit. The defense has, hasn't been great, but it's played better over the last few weeks, I feel like. So... This game, it should be a really good game. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm going to go with the upset and pick Detroit. Game is in Detroit. They both play in a dome, so it shouldn't have too big of an, of an impact. But I'm going with Detroit. I like Stafford in this game. Yeah, I'm going with the Colts. I think I would agree with you. I agree with you on almost every point, except that I just don't think the Colts... If, if their defense, if Detroit's defense, was a bit better and really had the playmakers to force takeaways, then I would really feel good about picking Detroit in this game because Phillip Rivers has had that problem. The Colts' offense has had that problem. Um, but the Colts' defense is just that good, and frankly, I don't. there's only a certain number of mistakes Phillip Rivers can make against a pretty meh Lions defense. So I, I, I'm going to pick the Colts here and just... Pretty, be pretty safe because I, I just think they're the better team and we're going to see that. Yeah, so, and I, if Indy wins, I won't be, I won't be shocked. I know I'm picking a bit of an upset here. 
So now let's go to a division game, a game that I thought could be possibly a huge game for their division, the Vikings taking on the Packers. Well, it turns out that is absolutely not the case. As the Vikings have started off 1-5, they seem to be more in selling, in possibly selling mode. Uh, look for maybe 1-1 one, one or both of their safeties. Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith could be on the trade market. Probably more likely Anthony Harris with him being on the franchise tag. This game's in Green Bay. They really destroyed Minnesota in Week 1. There's no reason to believe, you know, oh no, Aaron Jones isn't going to play. Jamal Adams is obviously more than capable Aaron Rodgers is having an MVP caliber season. There's just so many reasons to pick Green Bay. And for any one of them, you know, you could. So Packers should win this game. We'll see if Minnesota can put up a fight. I think they could play a decent game. But Aaron Rodgers is just having too good of a season for me to bet against them, especially against a Vikings team, which has been really inconsistent this season. Yeah, again, I absolutely agree. I gotta, I gotta pick the Packers here. I, I really, there's no, again, you said it. There's no reason that you would pick the Vikings. There's not even a reason to pick this upset. <laughs> so I, 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 I mean, Adam Thielen's pretty good. The Vikings, Vikings might have the better wide receiver duo. Yeah, there's a. <laughs> they don't have Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. That that is true. Time, that that is a very time to get the ball out. That is a very smart point. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah, so we're both going with Green Bay. Could it be somewhat competitive? Hopefully, just for the sake of a good football game, but Green Bay should have this one. So, now it's the Jets and the Chiefs. And Shai, instead of asking you who you're picking, right now the line is KC by 19.5. Are you taking the over or under? Because I think right now the the more smart thing is to say, uh, you know, do the Jets lose this game by, you know, by the spread? Are you taking it over the spread or under? Uh, can can the Jets cover? Well, not not obviously their secondary can, but <laughs> I, I'll take you. I'll take the under. I'll you know what? I'm gonna take the under too. I'm gonna take the under. I don't think that. And mainly, I can see the teams going up 14, and then they just kind of, you know, ride Hilaire, ride Le'Veon Bell, the return of Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is going to want the ball 30 times in this game. <laughs> He's going to want to just run over and just, you know, kind of show Adam Gase, you know, not what, look at what you cut, because obviously he was unhappy. He was probably happy to be cut, but just that they misused him and how he's still a good running back and was just frustrated there. I'm going to go with the obviously with the Chiefs and I'm assuming you are too shy. Yes. But uh, yeah, you know what? I'll take the Jets to cover the spread and lose by ni- 19 or less, which is very sad in the NFL when that's what we're talking about instead of who's winning the ball game. <laughs> so, now let's go to a very interesting game cuz you know what time it is, right, shy? It's 5-3. <laughs> well, that's true, too. But I was talking about it's Tua time. Tua Tungavailoa making his NFL debut as a starter. Obviously, he got a couple snaps in at the end of the game against the Jets a couple weeks ago. And this first start is against the best defensive player in the NFL in Aaron Donald. 
Dolphins, Rams, games in Miami. I think this could be a solid game, but I really don't know what to expect from Tua. Again, I think he's going to end up being a star, but you just never know in that first game, that first season. I think he does go through some growing pains. Dolphins, although they have some nice pieces, they don't have you know the incredible talent that maybe a Justin Herbert has when he first stepped in. So the the Rams should win this game. I think the Rams' offense is going to have a pretty big game, and I think Tua could. Str- although I am excited to see him play, and again, I think he's going to be a star in this league. I do think. You know, he goes through some growing pains early on. And again, your first start against Aaron Donald, I don't think, is a, is not, it's not ideal. I'll say that. I would not have this be his first start. I, I just, it's just, it's just so unfortunate and rough to start against Aaron Donald and the Rams defense that's played really quite well this year. I'm taking the Rams in this game. Again, really interesting to see. What if what Tua will do? Because if he shows something against this Rams defense, that will certainly be impressive. Again, I would start Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick had a fine last outing. Um, I, I I I don't. I I think they just Miami wanted kind of the two week preparation because you know they had their bye week, uh, this previous week, so they kind of wanted to get him as much time as possible in preparation for his first career start. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be a great teacher. Maybe I think Dallas should maybe place a call to Miami about Fitzpatrick, see if he's available. But I think he is going to struggle a bit. And I I understand, you know, even though it is against Aaron Donald, I feel like there are worst worst matchups you could put him against. I like the Rams in this game. I think I would like the Rams in this game if it were Ryan Fitzpatrick. And look, I do, I really do think Tua is going to have a successful NFL career if he can stay healthy. But I do, I do think he kind of, uh, I think he struggles in this one as it is, as it is his first career start. And again, that two week preparation, I think, should help him a little bit in terms of maybe looks and reading defenses. So, Shai, let's get now to probably the game of the week. Your Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Baltimore Ravens, the 6-0 Steelers, the 5-1 Ravens, one of the biggest rivalries in football. And I saw something that really was very interesting because we know how competitive this rivalry has been. But since 1999, the Steelers have 23 wins against the Ravens against 23 wins. It's tied since 99. Like, this is an incredible rivalry. It's been so well balanced. Both teams have won championships in the pretty recent past. Whew. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. I don't... I believe I have... Have I not picked against them? I don't think I picked... I don't think you picked against them. Maybe this is good. We need you. <laughs> I don't think I picked them. Now, here, yeah, I've been pretty confident. This is the first time I'm not really confident. Even against the 5-0 Titans last... Or at the time, the 5-0 Titans last week, I thought Pittsburgh would win. And even, again, even though at the time Tennessee was undefeated and they had beaten up the Bills, I was still pretty confident. With this game being in Baltimore, I am not as confident. But even though the Ravens are 5-1, they just don't seem like that dominant team that they were last year where they're off where Lamar Jackson was high stepping his way every play 
they were doing everything incredible on offense. That defense has been very good. And the addition of the first game of Yannick Ngakwe should be very fun and interesting with Ngakwe, Clayus Campo, and Matthew Judon. But I picked the Steelers because of their defense. And that defense has played well. It's been, you know, a little inconsistent at times. But at times that defense has looked dominant. And Ben Roethlisberger, although he is not my MVP... He is somewhere in the conversation, I would say. Is he a top three finalist? Probably not, but possibly. I wouldn't look at you funny if you said, yeah, he's third or fourth or whatever in the MVP voting right now. So with the combination of that Steelers offense looking like it, looking like the best it has really since Antonio Brown was there, and it was Antonio Brown and Juju, and now it's Juju and Claypool and Dante Johnson and... You know, James Conner is running really well. And then, obviously, that defense, which I think has room to get better because, you know, it hasn't looked as dominant as it did last year when this team was 8-3 and three when scoring at least 11 points. So, I don't think the defense is going to have a terrific game. I think the Ravens could give them some fits. But I think Pittsburgh's going to pull it out. And I think it's going to be a really good game. It's going to be a competitive game. It's kind of a shame this game's at 1 o'clock. But uh, e- either way, I would be surprised if one if one team wins this game pretty easily. I think it's really going to come down to who has the ball last and could come down to the last play. Yeah, I have so many things to say, so let me know if I'm going on a tangent. But two things to back up your claim. The Steelers blitz the most in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, I believe, is one of his... Not the worst, but very close to the worst quarterback passer rate against the Blitz. Ravens Blitz, second most in the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger is the best quarterback passer rating against the Blitz. But I'm taking the Ravens in this game. And I'll tell you why. As you said, 23 and 23. They almost always split. Almost always. If these teams are around the same skill level, they'll split. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. The game in, is, is in Baltimore. Does that... The game is in Baltimore. And home field matters a lot, you just just for the comforts of home in this rivalry. And when you look at what this, this Pittsburgh has relied on recently, it's short passes. It's what they do. And Baltimore is the best secondary in the NFL, probably. And I don't know how good this young Pittsburgh receiving group can set. They're very talented. They're extremely talented. You mentioned all those names. But I don't know if they're going to be able to get that kind of separation against Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith. It's going to be a tough task. And if they do, they're going to need to attack that middle of the field with Juju Smith-Schuster and Eric Ebron because those safeties are the weakness of the Baltimore defense. So it's going to be a hard-fought game, and the Steelers are going to need to keep Lamar in the pocket. I'm less worried about that. I'm more worried about how Pittsburgh is going to play offensively but I'm going to take the Ravens, and I, I think it could go either way. I think the Steelers could pull it out, um, but I think the Steelers will win in Pittsburgh. I'm confident the Steelers will beat them in Pittsburgh the way they're playing right now. This game is a toss-up. So what I'm basically trying to say is I think the Steelers are the better team, but I think because of this rivalry and because it's in Baltimore, I'm going to go with the Ravens. Yeah, because it was in Baltimore, I was, just, you know, I was on the fence on the fence. And I'm like, yeah, should I go Baltimore? And I said, you know what? I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. 
And I think we all expected Lamar Jackson to take that next step as a passer. We obviously know how talented he is, but there's still room to grow as a passer, and we all expected him to make that leap, and he just never did, or or at least he hasn't done that this season. So I think that secondary, you you were saying, Ben, is number one against the Blitz. I think it will be a little tougher because you know, the Ravens have a great pass rush, and you know they can blitz. They might not need to blitz, but you know even if they do, they have the pieces in the secondary, even at the linebacker level, to you know still get their hands on the ball, create turnovers, uh, force incompletions. So, you know, Roethlisberger has not faced a secondary like this all year. I do think Pittsburgh wins, but uh, this game is going to be really close and should be the maybe the game of the week and could easily decide who wins the AFC North and possibly who gets that very coveted number one seat in the AFC because remember, there's only one team that gets to buy in each conference, so that one seed is even more coveted this year than it has been ever before. So that was the 1 o'clock games. Now let's go to these afternoon games, and we we have a few really good ones. We have a few really good ones. Uh, we have the uh, Los Angeles. We're going to start with the Los Angeles Chargers against the Denver Broncos. And this should be a really good game because it's two of the younger quarterbacks who have shown so much promise. Drew Locke, who, you know, we know the talent he has. He's been a little banged up against Justin Herbert, who has been incredible this year. He's been nothing short of excellent. Right now, he's my pick for... Uh, offensive rookie of the year and it's close I'm gonna go with the Chargers and the game's in Denver which I think makes it a little difficult but while I was kind of going on there I actually checked the Denver weather and although it's a little cooler it's not supposed to snow so I think with it not being supposed to snow I think that does favor the Chargers a little I believe A.J. Boye has been activated off IR, so it's possible that he's going to come back, which obviously does play into Denver's favor. This should be a really good competitive uh, game of two division teams that, you know, we'll see, obviously, both, we'll see how they do this year, but really have really bright futures. But I'm going to go with the Chargers in a close one. I'm going to take the Chargers as well in the battle of the young quarterbacks. I think Herbert has... You know, it's a smaller sample size, but I think I'm more confident in him than Drew Locke right now, just by a bit. Um, I'm also more confident in the Chargers' defense than Denver's um, by a bit. So that combination leads me to, to, to pick the Chargers even on the road. Um, again, if, as you said, if it's not snowing, then that definitely plays into to, um, L.A.'s favor as well. Um, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll pick them, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Drew Locke comes out and shows us something. So now let's go to another game, and this should be a very interesting game. The New Orleans Saints taking on the Chicago Bears in Chicago, and I'm going to go with the Bears. I'm going to go with the Bears to beat the Saints because this game's in Chicago. The Saints offense, it's just different. It's completely different when it's not in New Orleans. That Saints offense has not looked great 
this season. And if Michael Thomas comes back, that's obviously a big boost. But I'm going with the upset. And I know it's a pretty big upset. But I think this Bears defense is going to get it done. I know the Saints have a really good defense. So I think this Bears offense is going to do just enough. Be able to score just enough. And sustain drives that are just enough to get past the Saints team. Shy, I think you're going to go with New Orleans, but you know what? I'm going with the upset. I'm going with the Chicago Bears at home. At If this game were in New Orleans, I actually think the Saints would blow them out. But I think with the I, game being in Chicago, I think the Bears won a close one. I'm going with the Bears as well, Alex. Oh, you are going with Chicago. I am. I am. This, this, not only is the Saints offense different on the road, but it's different without Michael Thomas, and we've seen that. Well, Thomas might be playing this week. We don't know. I'm not super optimistic. We've been saying he might be for the past like couple weeks. I well, that like. that but, is true. We've been we've been saying that for a while. <laughs> uh, but I I I think if Michael Thomas plays, I think I do lean toward the Saints and pick them. But right now, I'm not super optimistic, so I'll pick the Bears. I think it's gonna be a really close game. But I think this Bears defense forces a couple turnovers. Feel like they get pressure at home. In this cold weather, give me the Bears. Uh, this should be this could really shape the NFC playoff picture. If the Saints win their five and two, Bears would have dropped two in a row to fall at five and three. If the Bears win, the Saints are four and three, and the Bears improve to six and two. So th- this is obviously going to have huge implications on the NFC playoff picture down the road. Even though this isn't a division game. So, now let's go to a couple of division games, a couple of big division games, but this one is probably the biggest. You know, we're talking about the Baltimore Steelers being the game of the week. This might be a close runner-up. The San Francisco 49ers, who, after that, you know, a bad loss to the Dolphins, they come, they beat the Rams, and then they just embarrass the Patriots. Now they're facing the Seattle Seahawks, the Seahawks team that, you know, I know it was close, but they blew it against Arizona. At the end of the day, last week, Arizona was able to get a stop, and the Seahawks were not. And they acquired Carlos Dunlap today, which is going to be huge. You know, for people who listen to this podcast every week or who want to go check out last week's podcast, I went on a, a small rant, wasn't a huge rant or anything, of Seattle had to make a move at the deadline. They had to acquire... Uh, a great a defender, someone. I was really leaning towards a pass rusher, but if they acquired a very good corner, I would have been very happy with that as well. If I were a Seahawks fan, so I think this is, the Carlos Dunlap trade was done on. They had to do it. They had to make a trade of that nature, and they only gave up a seventh in B.J. Finney. You know, Dunlap obviously wasn't being used the way he wanted to. You know, he was frustrated, wanted to get traded. So, you know, Cincinnati, you know, wasn't going to get the value that maybe they would have a few years ago. But, you know, 7th and B.J. Finney, great deal for Seattle. Again, I don't think he'll be able to play this week against the 49ers with COVID protocols. I'm going to go with the Seahawks here. This game is in Seattle, and I think Garoppolo has a solid game. I think this matters offense has a solid game. But I think after a bit of a rough game, a bit of an up-and-down game for Russell Wilson, I think he gets on back back on track and kind of 
you know, propels himself back into the lead if he's, you know, if he fell any in the MVP conversation. I like the Seahawks in this game. That defense, though, I know Dunlap isn't there, but that defense has to play better if they want to win the Super Bowl or even win the NFC. Yeah, I'll take the Seahawks here as well. Um, You're right. You're absolutely right. The Seahawks need to acquire defenders, especially the pass. Do you think Dunlap's enough? Do you think they should... Do you think they should acquire another defender? Yes. I agree. Pass rusher, absolutely. I mean, Dunlap's better than nothing. We can agree on that. But if I'm Seattle, I'm still being aggressive, and I'm still scouting the market for as much defensive help as I can. And Dunlap, you know, he plays more on the interior. Yeah, see, I was a little surprised he was listed as a defensive end because I think of him more as a defensive tackle. So I did think that was actually interesting as well. He's like an interior defensive end. He, 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 he's, you know, like what Cam Hayward is to the Steelers. He's listed as a defensive end. Of course, we think of him more of an interior pressure. They need someone who can get pressure consistently from the edge. Uh, an outside well, they line. need to get pressure from anywhere. So if they're getting pressure, if Dunlap's able to push the pocket, pushing the pocket from the interior can actually be better because yeah. it doesn't allow the quarterback to step up. So they need a valuable. I just don't think it's quite enough. I think they need one more upgrade at the trade deadline uh, for for a, uh, an edge rusher, and then I think we'll see this defense start to start to get better and improve, especially once Jamal, if Jamal Adams is able to come back anytime soon. What if they went after? I know it'd be a lot, and I know they don't have a first. But what if they went after Stephon Gilmore? There are, rumor, well, there, are, there are rumors he could, he might be available for the right price. I know that I know we were talking pass rusher before, but I mean, getting Stefan Gilmore, I think that could cover up some of your pass rush weaknesses. I, I, that would be quite acquisition. I, I, we know how much that he's he's loved and he's respected, and how much that coaching staff in New England likes him. I think it would take a lot for Bill Belichick to part with him. Uh, I, I would think probably maybe, probably two first-rounders. Um, well, they don't have a first this year or no, next. I'm saying two first-rounders and then maybe another, even another pick because their first-rounders aren't this year. But or next year. Or next year. They don't have first-round this year or next year? I believe because they gave up their first-round this year and next year both for Adams, the Jamal Adams trade. Uh, I don't see it happening, Alex. I really don't. I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just trying to, you know, float float some some ideas out there. I don't I said last week that if I were a Seahawks fan, I'd be angry if we didn't make a move. I won't say be if I were a Seahawks fan, I wouldn't be angry if we didn't make another move, but I wouldn't be satisfied either. If I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm a little angry. I Dun, as I was saying, like Dunlap's better than nothing, though. Like you could have, you could do a lot worse than giving up a seventh and BJ Finney for Carlos Dunlap. No, that's a great win. But now you need to, now you need to, you know, make another move because if they, if they, if they make these moves, if they're able to get a pass rush and then Jamal Adams comes back, we're talking about. Uh, uh, like we're, we're, I my doubts about Seattle if they can if they can execute on the field are taken care of because I know that offense can hop I know we can put points on the board yeah. that's the so 
Well, because what kind of propel what kind of propelled me to start talking about this on the podcast last week because at the time Antonio we didn't know Antonio Brown was going to be a Buccaneer, and yeah, you know, I was talking about how it looked like the sea the the Seahawks were the front runners, and I was saying. As great of a move as AB to Seattle would be, that's like the last thing they need. They don't need another receiver. They don't need to upgrade that offense even more. I mean, you know, could they maybe get the offensive line better? Sure. But their number one, two, three, four, and probably five priorities should all be defense, 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 and, well, more defense. Yeah, I completely agree. And I don't even know if he's a great fit for Tampa Bay, too. It's not like they are desperately in need of a receiver as well. I mean... <laughs> Brady, look, I think if you have a chance to sign A.B., and we'll get to the Buccaneers in just a little bit, but if you have a chance to sign A.B., especially for the price and the upside that, you know, it could turn out to be, I think you do it. I just... No, you don't. Go I, ahead. Then. No, th- what I'm saying, for the price that Tampa Bay... Because think about this. He, it's very low risk. There, it is very low. As soon, as soon as a red flag pops up, whether it's in the locker room or in his outside personal life, you cut him. You cut him immediately. He knows that. The Buccaneers know that. The NFL knows that. And um, look, if you're a, if you're a, I don't know, Washington, the Giants, the Jets, you don't sign him, of course. But if you have a chance to win the Super Bowl. I think you do have to at least explore the possibility, and then if something doesn't, you cut them immediately. If there's new evidence, if you know, if there's new evidence or there's something new they did, you cut them on the spot. No, there's no. Well, we'll talk. No, you cut them on the spot. But what I'm saying was, Seattle has much bigger needs than Antonio than Antonio Brown not signing there or getting another receiver. That's really what I was trying to say. He's a cancer. Even if you remove a cancer, if you take this cancer out in surgery, Alex, you're still weak. Your body is left weak and drained. That's Antonio Brown. Let me remind you, Alex, the Patriots removed him, what was it, 10 days after you were signed? Yes. Okay. Um, remind me, was that offense ever as good ever again that season? No! They won their games on the defensive side of the ball. Their offense wasn't terrible. Bird sure as heck wasn't any, wasn't anything to write home. But was that Antonio Brown's fault or just bad I don't offense? Know, but I'm drawing the coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence necessarily. I I I just think it's not a risk that that's worth it at this point. I'm I get the low risk thing, but or not. I mean, I I, think, I get like what you're saying about the low risk, but I kind of disagree because I think that the risk is there and. I just don't see like how we can how he's going to be used that much. They have so many mouths to feed. You're telling me. Trust me, Tom Brady's going to get him involved. Tom Brady's going to get him involved. I I just don't think you can force the you can't compromise what you have for Tampa Bay. Godwin hasn't been healthy. Godwin finally gets healthy, and then on a touchdown lane, the game he breaks his finger. I I just don't think. I think if you're talking about a team, I think if you're talking about Green Bay, I say it's close, but okay, that's fine. Go for it because Aaron Rodgers' knee is another weapon. And that would take Tom Brady, look, 
But I don't think Bruce Arian signs Antonio Brown if Tom Brady doesn't get on his hands and knees and starts well, begging course. for him. But it doesn't mean you give, you give it to him. If a child asks for something, no, okay, maybe that's a, a unfair metaphor. It's a little, because you know what? Tom Brady could have signed with any team in the NFL and he chose your organization. That's a You're going to want to keep I, Tom Brady happy. I have a hunch that Tom Brady is very tough to convince. Anyway, we I think we spent a little too much. We got a little off topic. We're, we're going to talk about the Bucks in a second. I picked the Seahawks to beat the Niners. Who are you going with? Oh, I picked the Seahawks as well. I already, uh, I already said that. You did? Okay. Anyway, Dallas Eagles Sunday night. What a game. Ben DiNucci making his NFL starting debut. What a game. Uh, it's possible Andy Dawn does start, but at this point I'd be very surprised. Eagles should blow them out. The, the Eagles aren't the best team, but I think Carson Wentz, you know, Carson Wentz, who has shown he can make plays when he has to. I think Carson Wentz is a big game. Anyone can make plays against that defense. I'm not talking about that defense. You I'm just saying about... for four touchdown passes. Me? No, I could not. I definitely could not throw for four touchdowns. I couldn't throw for four touchdown passes against any defense, and you couldn't either. Uh, I, I bet the Cowboys wish they were facing us. Then, you know, then maybe they could have some success. Um, um, I would, I would be interested to see how would, uh, how would Ben DiNucci do against that defense? That'd be interesting. That would be interesting. <laughs> anyway, I think we're, bo- we're both going with Philly. The game's in Philadelphia. If that, I don't think that really changed my view of anything. It looks like we're going to have, you know, for the first time, possibly the Eagles could win the division for consecutive years for the first time since I believe it was 01 to 04. Since the Eagles won the division from 2001 to 2004, there's never been, up until now, a repeat NFC East division winner. So that that streak could snap. Uh, yeah, we're both going with Philly. I think we both expect this to be a blowout, whether it's Andy Dalton or Danucci, and if it's Danucci, you might want to cover your eyes, Cowboys fans, or find something else to do. <laughs> so, Monday night now, the Bucks against the Giants, and look, on paper, you would say it's a blowout, but I feel like every time we say the Giants are going to get blown out, they're in it at the end. The Rams, I thought they go, they get blown out. They lost 17-9. to Dallas, Shai said they'd got, get blown out. They lost 37-34. to 34. If Emin Engram doesn't make a drop, an easy drop at the end of the game, they win last week. Like, the Giants have been, yes, they're 1-6, and, and yes, you are what your record says you are, but they have been a very competitive 1-6, and, and they, with the exception of a debacle and just humiliation against the Niners, this team has actually played very competitive football, and they've been in really every game except for that one against San Francisco, which I think is a credit to Joe Judge. Mm, I think it's going to be a blowout, so at least they'll have a competitive game to watch. Them yes, yes, every time we say it's a blowout, it's a close game. No, I do think Tampa wins. I, I do think, though, no Godwin. Chris Godwin broke his finger. He's injured. Mike Evans, I think, could be shut down, though. By James Bradbury? If James Bradbury travels with Mike Evans, I think Mike Evans, he could have a nice night, but I, don't, I think uh, Bradbury is going to actually do a pretty good job. For me, though, that Bucks defense. I talked about how underrated it was coming in. I was banging the table saying, 
you know, this Bucks defense can really benefit from having a quarterback who doesn't always turn the ball over and put them in bad positions, and we're seeing it. Is there a better linebacking duo right now than Levante David, than Levante David and Devin White? No. Jason Pierre-Paul looks like the guy who, when he had 10 fingers, and before the fireworks accident, I mean, he looks like the dominant guy with the Giants. The, the Giants won the Super Bowl. So it's JPP revenge game. And that's secondary. That secondary, which was my biggest concern, has been great. And, Shai, I'll ask you this. I know, obviously, you're picking the Bucks. Last week on the podcast, I talked about how Todd Bowles deserves another head coaching opportunity after he almost took the Jets to the playoffs. And then we've seen that it's very tough to survive being the Jets quarterback or head coach. Do you think Todd Bowles deserves another head coaching opportunity after seeing what he's done with the Tampa defense? I think he certainly deserves consideration, Alex. I think there are a lot of guys who, you know... Maybe not even this offseason, but in one or, in like two or three offseasons from now, if this keeps up. Most definitely. Most definitely. I think this offseason is going to be tricky because there's a lot of candidates who are very promising and could have maybe been hired last year and weren't. Um, but I, I, I do think... I mean, for example, Robert Salah, Eric Vianney to name a couple. But I do think Todd Will has done a, a tremendous job and deserves another uh, head coaching opportunity in the near future should this defense continue to have success. Well, that's going to wrap up all of these Week 8 games. I can't believe we're, you know, I know there's 17 weeks, but with only with each team playing 16 games, I can't believe for a lot of teams we're already at the halfway mark. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how fast it goes by. So, Shai, like we do every time on the podcast, kind of what's your what's your last thing, one more thing, uh, you know, for either this week's slate of games or maybe a broader example? Calm, selfish Steelers fan, but I'm really looking to see how this young receiving core battles against the secondary. I just think that's, for me, the most intriguing battle, probably because I'm a Steelers fan but also because it was going to test the fortitude of a wide receiver group that's really played well this season. Um, and if, I think if the Steelers win this game, Alex, they should be, they're should be. they probably the best team in the NFL without much question, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you do have to give Tampa some credit based on we know what their offense can do, and that defense has been incredible. Seattle has Russell Wilson. You don't want to bet against Mahomes. But I think if they can, I guess it depends how they win this game. You know, if like it's one of those games that you know their chest squeak out and it was ugly, it almost depends how they win this game, rather than just they win this game. But they're already, they're already right there. They're already right there. Like they're already either one or two in the power rankings. They're already right there. I agree. I agree. I just think if they can win this game, given this rivalry, given that it's in Baltimore. That would be that would be quite a feat. It would be. I just think it's gonna be tough. It's tough to bet against Mahomes. So I guess my one more thing is, you know, last week and I kind of just alluded to it just now. I was banging the table for Todd Bowles to be at least considered for another head coaching job. Another guy who look, I think this year will be too early, and this year I don't think he should get one now. But in two or three years. Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator for the L.A. Rams. 
He's just 37 years old. And remember, they fired Wade Phillips for him, you know, in order to hire him. And when I was thinking, when I saw they fired Brand, not not Brand, Wade Phillips. And when I saw that, I was like, really? Wade Phillips is, you know, he's been in the league for such a long time. He's been such a good coordinator. He has great experience. He has done such a good job with different teams building great defenses. What are they doing? And that Rams defense has played incredible. I mean, that Rams defense has been incredible. It's led by Brandon Staley. They look clean. They're playing good, sound football. And again, you know, in this age when everyone's looking for, like, this, you know, young genius, and remember, where's the whole, you know, if you've, if you sniffed something of McVay, you're a head coach. Obviously, that's kind of died down a bit. But again, you know, with him being a first-time defensive coordinator, I might want to see it for two or three years before hiring him. But Brandon Staley, I think he's done a very good job with the Rams. And I think two or three years, he could be a hot coaching commodity to be the next kind of young genius head coach. Even though he's the defensive coordinator, and usually we associate you know, these type of guys on the offensive side of the ball. So that's going to be it for game time or NFL game time podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, You know, we hope you will uh, listen to this episode and the ones to come. And we will see you next week for week nine.